Welcome back to the Daily Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I'm joined, as always, by Daily Thunder beat writer, Brandon Rabar. And Brandon, I know it's been a long day. For uh, for you listeners, this this Thunder resurgence has really put a lot on Brandon's plate. So, Brandon, thank you for taking the time. How are you doing? Hey, Daily Thunder podcast is always priority number one. Uh, <laughs> But it's made uh, you a busy I, man. Say so what? I said, but it's made you a busy man this last no, week. It, it, it is funny. The Thunder uh, doing better has drawn more interest in the Thunder, which has drawn more interest in, you know, Thunder media members and podcast guys jumping on radio and other podcasts and stuff like that. So it has been a busy day, but that's just all credit to uh, Shay and Giddy and J Dub and Dorton, this Thunder team for uh, playing so well lately. The uh, it's nice to see the interest ticking up in this team and these players. Last last time we talked was um, was right after the Miami game, and if you know, it felt like they were playing well, and it, we were excited to see them on national TV again for the first time in so long. And it was a disappointing loss, and we were kind of. Um, you know, we were kind of down. It was a bummer. And then they turned in a, a road trip that honestly, I think we'll always remember this stretch of games as when um, this iteration of the team turned a corner. Um, not, you know, not totally sure what all it means. Uh, obviously, it's yet to be seen, but it does feel significant what what we've seen since the last time we did a podcast was uh is a is a team that's kind of uh found itself and um they're just uh they're clicking and coming off a win last night against the Pacers it was honestly I didn't think they played all that great uh for big stretches of the game and Shea didn't even have to come back come back in the game uh, I don't believe at the end of the, uh, I think he sat most of the fourth. Like it was, it was a, a very uh, commanding win. So uh, very, very interested to hear your thoughts on like how you feel now, as opposed to like last Tuesday night, we're just nine days removed from that Miami game. And it feels like we're sitting here with a totally different team. Yeah, the Thunder feel like they've turned a corner. I mean, you can just see it. Like, obviously, it's the on-court results, and you can look at the stats. They won four straight. Uh, three of those were on the road. They've won six of their last seven. All of them by double digits is the thing. Like, they yeah. are blowing teams out. And, yeah, okay, so the Nets didn't have KD, but they still had Kyrie Irving. They still had Nick Claxton. They still had Joe Harris. The 76ers were fully extreme. They had James Harden, Joel Embiid, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris. Uh, you know, the Pacers, when they came to town, I mean, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton was out, but they still had Miles Turner. They still had Benedict Matherin. Like, these these teams aren't bad teams, and some of them were very, very good teams. Uh, and the Thunder are just kind of wiping the floor with teams right now. They're number one 
and net rating since the calendar turned to 2023. And you can just see it. You can see like Shay, it's been this way all season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned um, it's probably a little bit frustrating to Thunder fans because he's had to sit a couple of fourth quarters like against the Pacers. And he's not getting his 30 point game. So his stats are taking a hit because who knew the rebuilding Thunder would be blowing teams out and he wouldn't get to play the fourth quarter. But Shea's been doing this all season. But now Giddy has looked like he's turned a corner. Uh, he is playing so well. Like, I mean, it's so funny because so many people were down on him the first month of the season. And now it seems to be kind of a consensus that Josh Giddy has taken the biggest leap of all the sophomore players. He's playing like a top three sophomore right now, uh, along with Evan Mobley and Franz Wagner. Uh, Jalen Williams, he's played like a top three rookie. Lou Dort, he's improved his three-point shot to 35.2% on the season. Lou Dort on high volume. Kendrick Williams, like, all-star role player. Everybody, like, 1 through 15, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to name names. Uh, is playing a part, is, is affecting winning. They're all bought in. High energy, high effort, and they want to win. You just see it from this team. Um, it's like they want the wins more and they're playing smarter and and better than other teams. It's it's exciting to watch the youngest team in the NBA take this this sort of leap. You mentioned kind of a uh a downtick in Shea's statistics. Um it does feel like that has coincided with an uptick from Josh. Um some of the some of his great stretch here in a good way has balanced things out. Um, they've become, they've become a monster on offense. And I, I thought this year, at least the team would, the team on defense would outpace where they were on offense, but this offense has been so good, specifically small ball lineups with, with Kenrich Williams at the five. Uh, they, they have been outstanding. Um, they're getting uh, they're getting great looks uh, consistently. Guys are shooting well. I agree. The Lou Dort stuff is is interesting. I want to I want to I wanted to bring that up earlier uh, in the day uh, talking to you and Spencer just over text. But like Lou feels like he's now in the role. It feels like the team has the players now to put him in the role they always wanted for him like the fourth guy in the like the fourth option in, in a lineup in a good lineup is 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 a great spot for him. Um sometimes the fifth option like just be the guy that hits the open three, uh attack closeouts. You don't have to do a ton and play uh exceptional defense which we know he does, but um it just feels so much more settled for Lou. Uh, in that he's not being asked to uh, create a bunch. And I think we're seeing him cut down on some of those early shot clock uh, creation opportunities, like where he was just kind of forcing it, didn't need it, kind of um, kind of somewhat in transition, uh, trying to attack uh, like an, an outnumbered situation. So I, I just, I love the, the opportunity, the, the, Possess like the the usage the the possession share that we're seeing 
for Lou. And I think it's led to him being able to focus on something like just hitting open threes. Like we're going to get you good looks. He's a phenomenal three point shooter from the corners. And, uh, and even he's taking that out. Like last night we saw him hit a couple uh, like wing extended threes and they're, they're deep. And uh, it's, it's just impressive what he's doing. I've, I've been very happy for, for him. And I don't know what you feel about the contract, but it just feels like what he was given and what he earned this off season. Like this is, this is paying off. Like all, this is really, really good stuff from him. Uh, and it feels like the contract is well earned and they're getting their money's worth even at a, even at a, uh, like at a lower usage, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's and it doesn't feel fluky to me with with Lou because he does it on such high volume. Now he's shooting forty five point one percent from three in January. That's obviously absolutely nuts. Like that's he's not Steph Curry, but you know he's doing this on almost six attempts per game. But if you go back in December, he shot thirty four point eight percent from three, which is very solid. Uh, again, on five point one attempts in December. He shot 37.3% on 5.2 attempts. His only bad month, and when everybody was piling on him, was a six-game opening October where he shot 17.1%. Other than that, I mean, he's he's been shooting really, really well. You know, like you said, I think this is kind of the perfect spot for him. Right now, it seems like he's kind of fourth on the pecking order as far as, you know, you see this one with SGA – a distinct two with Giddy and, you know, on any given night, it could be J-Dub or Dort as the three or four. And then you have Chet Holmgren coming in next season and who knows who else, you know, and I think that as you go further down, it, it limits lose role on offense, but in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, those, those corner threes, the catch and shoot threes, uh, more space, uh, you know, things when Chet comes in, it's going to open up so much more space for everybody. You're, you're taking a big, uh, potentially out of the lane. Uh, Lou can get to the lane anytime he wants to. He has no problem getting the lane. You know, finishing there is an adventure. But, you know, <laughs> you take a big out uh, half the time, he's going to convert more. I mean, it's just, you, you see the potential in Lou. I think that some fans were really, really excited. Probably the majority of fans were, were very, very excited when Lou resigned on that contract. I, I think that there was, uh, you know, kind of, a minority though that was like, uh, I like Lou, but that's a little bit too rich for Lou. I, I don't think so. I, I think I think that he's a good value contract. If he's playing like this mm-hmm. uh offensively and bringing what he does defensively, and of course being, you know, such a high character locker room, off the court guy, Shay's BFF, all those things that go into it, uh, I think Lou's contract is is a really, really good value for the Thunder. And ultimately, it's also really, really tradable as well. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's it's only going to look better over time. Uh, the longer he's on the Thunder, it's only going to look better, assuming he keeps a, a, a relatively, relatively consistent level of play. But uh, that number is going to look a lot better uh, when we see you know new cap numbers over the next few years. And ex- exactly like you said, it, it becomes those the that that size contract is what Oklahoma City was missing that mid that mid-tier salary number is just so useful when it comes to trading 
so yeah, I I totally agree. And now we're sitting here. Oklahoma City is ninth, uh, last I checked, uh, in the standings. That I don't believe that changed with the Warriors' loss. We're recording this right after. The so they're Warriors. they're they're basically in a four way tie for the seven seed right now, um, because the Warriors lost and the Timberwolves won. So uh, when you look at it, the Warriors and th- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was no, no, no. this is exactly I was, where I wanted to go. I'm looking, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now. Um, yeah, Minnesota, uh, L.A., the the Clippers, the the Warriors, and the Thunder. Yeah, seven through ten, all ten, all a half game back of six. Yeah, yeah, and the six seed is Jazz, which is you know that's a very uh, fragile six seed, I'll say. Uh, because who knows whether they're, you know, they're much like the thunder and like, you know, are they going for it or are they going to eventually try to get women or scoot here? Like, let's, let's see what happens the second half of the season, uh, to see what the jazz are going to do. And Portland's playing right now. They could join that bunch. Um, they're, as we speak, they're down 19 to the, uh, 76ers. The, uh, the wolves were down. I don't know if you're watching this game before we jumped on. They were down 14 uh, in the fourth with they looked absolutely dead, came back and won that game against Toronto. Um, That was a that was a tough one, a tough one. I just don't understand Toronto. They have so many good players and such a bad record. They really have so many guys. Um, And and Scotty Barnes, speaking of sophomores, is uh, he was phenomenal in that game and uh, just about carried him over the edge, but, um, yeah, we, we were talking before we, before we hit record, like it's, it's flipped so fast. What, you know, what we've wanted for the team, like, do we, are we, are we in the mood to just go for wins? Are we rooting for wins or are we not? It's kind of been this on and off conversation all year, but I'm now rooting for like the Celtics to beat the Warriors uh, for <laughs> for standings purposes. Like this is, <laughs> I don't. Am I right to feel that way? Am I am I right to root for the for the Warriors to lose? Like, this is this is a uh, this is stuff we haven't done in in a couple years now. I got to be honest with you, Ryan. I research, study, watch this. Thunder team pretty much 24 seven. And I have no idea what the right answer is. <laughs> I do not know. I, I don't know if, if you know, the right thing is to root for the play in and the playoffs or if it's to, you know, Hey, if you can add Wimbanyan or scoot to SGA, Chet, Giddy, Jade and Dort. I mean, I don't think that there's a wrong answer here. Quite honestly, just go with what your heart feels is what I'd say. Just like it's it's a win-win ultimately. If you make the playoffs because the second youngest team in NBA history made the playoffs, you know, it's not like the Thunder are giving minutes to 30-year-olds and 34-year-olds, and, and that's why this team is winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vet is Kenrich Williams, and he just turned 28 last month, and he signed to stay in OKC Long term, he's here. So they're winning with their core. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Muscala is the only dude 30 years older or more, and he only plays sometimes, and he plays about 14 minutes a night when he does play. So this is the young core winning. If you make the playoffs 
because your young core has already progressed and is that good, I mean, you just enjoy it, right? But if you fall out of the playoffs and you get a top 10 pick to go along with a team that's ready to compete, that has an all-star in SGA, guys like Giddy and J-Dub, and you're adding a Chet Holmgren, that's a win too. There's really, there's really no wrong answer here. I guess the most right answer, the one that we could all agree to, is that the Thunder make it into the playoffs and the Clippers just completely fall all the way out of the playoffs. And and give yep. the Thunder like a top eight chance for <laughs> for a uh, for Wimbledon or Scoot. Uh, that's the ultimate best of both worlds with that swap. Of those four teams in in that in that tie, Minnesota Clippers, Golden State, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has the best uh, the best net rating. The only positive net rating of that group. Uh, same net rating as the six seed Jazz, and a better net rating. By a full point um, than the than the Dallas Mavericks, who have lost three straight now. Um, just a, it's just a wild time. I don't know what else to say. It's a wild, wild time for all the reasons you just said. There are so many different ways to feel and ways to look at it. I think the ultimate is that it, there are really no bad outcomes um, if this team. Yeah, I mean, how sick would a how sick would a gold uh, an old Oklahoma City Los Angeles Clippers play in game be like all of the especially if Oklahoma City gets to host that game like oh my goodness the amount the amount of memes the amount of of takes like it would just be unbelievable yeah it was i mean the the tweets i could fire off if that <laughs> If that playing happened, I want it to happen so badly. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be a lot of, you know, and it's, and, you know, Clippers fans would probably not think that way. <laughs> they no. probably wouldn't be no. nearly as excited because for the Thunder, there's no pressure. They're not supposed right. to be here. Like, right. this is not supposed to be happening. Like, for the Thunder to make a play in is a huge, huge success. And for the Clippers to make the play in, <laughs> That's, you know, a failure from what they want to be and what they expect to be. So it's, you know, it's all looking at expectations and ending up in the same place, uh, you know. But if the Thunder were to to play them in the plane and knock them out and still get a higher pick because of the swap, I mean, that's just like chef's kiss to the uh, to the SGA trade. No longer and, the Paul George trade. <laughs> absolutely. And, like, it's a, the West is very open, like, what a what a bad year for them to be like this bad like this this west is gettable for for a team like as talented as the clippers and for for them to not be able to get those guys on the floor is i mean it's got to be that's got to be just brutal for for clipper fans well um, i got to say I, you know thunder fans are really excited for good reason and that trade is working out so well but the the clippers still it was a win-win trade and, you know, I'll, I'll say this from the other side of it. You know, you make that trade 10 times out of 10 to get Kawhi and to get Paul George. So I do feel for Clippers fans, uh, you know, they feel like they have a team that could be continuing. Like, I, you know, on paper, Kawhi, PG, and this really deep team should have a chance to to win it all. And, they were several, know, they, they were several, uh, they were several people's, uh, preseason pick to at least represent the West. 
right. in, in the finals. Like they're a very, very talented team. And, and those two guys in the lineup, uh, you know, exaggerates how deep that roster could be as well. So yeah, it, I mean, it, that's a, that's a really tough one for, for fans. Yeah, it's a bummer for fans. Like, you know, as, as great it is for, for OKC fans, uh, you got to feel for Clippers fans uh, kind of watching. You know, it's you know, it's not the exact same thing because the Thunder ended up, you know, contending for titles with, with KD and Russ. But it was rough, you know, for, for Thunder fans to, to trade away James Harden and see all the success that he had in Houston. And now... You know, kind of on the opposite end of that now, the Thunder on the good side of that, you know, Clippers fans having to trade away SGA and see him become, you know, an all-star and a top 10 type player after trading him away. So, you know, it's not exactly the same because they get PG and Kawhi, but uh, but I'm sure it's rough on that end to, to see what SGA is becoming. You mentioned the, the Russ KD teams it's crazy like after they went to the finals how they didn't have any pressure you know to really do ah. anything uh um, yeah thank you Beth um, yeah just so just more than happy to have a team you know yeah um, for, for those that don't know uh that's uh that's uh ryan woods do, harnessing his best bill simmons bs <laughs> podcast what an <laughs> what an appropriate name for for that podcast um <laughs> Another wild stat: Oklahoma City's won three more road games than the Warriors. Like the defending champs, they've only won five games on the road. They're five and eighteen. Um, most most good teams, contending teams, and I know they've had injuries, are are much better on the road than five and eighteen. That's something that's something to watch because obviously Oklahoma City will be hosting that team over the course of the rest of the year. We've got three questions to get to, uh, three questions each. And as always, you're going to go first here. Um, what is your first question? Question number one, will Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, finish top three in rookie of the year? Right now, he's number three on the rookie ladder, according to NBA.com. Sam Bassini uh, of The Athletic put out his updated rookie rankings. He has J-Dub, number three. Uh, according to both of these, it goes number one, Paolo Bancaro, number two, Benedict Matherin, number three, J-Dub. Will J-Dub finish top three? I think so. I think so. He's certainly going to play uh, enough minutes. He's going to get tons of opportunity. And, um, as you know, if, if he's contributing to a – a team on the rise like this, uh, a team that's rattling off wins that could jump into the, uh, to the playoff race here. I do think he will finish top three. Um, the guys you said, I think will remain. Um, but I, I wouldn't put it past him to, to jump ahead of Matherin and finish at, at two. I do not think it's going to be a conversation as to who wins rookie of the year. Um, I don't think anybody does. I think Bancaro is, um, has kind of locked that up, but um, I think after that, it's it's uh, down to two guys, and if it, you know, I, I I fully see J Dub in the top three, but I think there's a chance he could get to two. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Paulo's going to win it. We know that, uh, 
but I would not be surprised to see J-Dub uh, finish number two because I, I feel like uh, Matthew has been great. Like, first of all, he's been great. Uh, but I do think he's, he's kind of cooled off some, and J-Dub's trajectory kind of keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, if he could just get his three ball to drop, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a total game changer. He's, he's impacting the game in every single facet. He is leading the NBA in total steals in January. Like since the calendars, uh, flipped to 2023, nobody has more steals in the NBA than number 12 overall pick Jalen Williams. Um, he's getting blocks, uh, assists, rebounds. Uh, he's scoring efficiently. Uh, more efficiently than Paulo or Matherin, uh, you know, in their head-to-head battle last night, uh, I think that Jada um, outplayed Matherin. Uh, you know, there's some guys behind him. Keegan Murray has has been really good from deep, and you know, he's he's up and down, but but I think he's mostly been pretty solid as a rookie. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. has his moments. You see the flashes. Uh, Walker Kessler. That's the guy. Uh, has come on really, really strong. Yeah, you could argue that if there's really somebody who's who's threatening to to creep into the top three, it's Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. Jaden Ivey has been steady and solid all season long, but you know, not the greatest efficiency. Uh and and his usage is just higher. Um but I, I think that J Dub has clearly been the number three best rookie. But yeah, I I, I think he'll finish at top three, maybe he passes Matherin and and Kessler jumps up into the top three, or maybe it stays as is. But but J-Dub's just been so good all season, and, and only Kings, getting better. The Kings currently sit in as they're the three seed in the West right now, so I, I wouldn't rule out Keegan Murray as well. Um, just his uh, his impact as a rookie on a a winning team, like getting getting consistent minutes. That's that's not for nothing. So he's had a, he's had a solid, solid year. Um, all right. My first question, I'm going to start with more of a, I guess this could be perceived as a bit of a downer, but my question is, have we seen the last of Poku for the year or do you see him uh, on the floor later in the year? Ah, man, that is a bummer. See, I hate to speculate on this. Um, I mean, it's a good question, and I'm going to speculate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is no intel whatsoever. This is just you know, kind of guessing here. This is my own gut feeling. Uh, nobody in OKC Media has any sort of scoop on this. Uh, I feel like maybe not. The Thunder are going to be cautious with Poku, first of all, um, but his timeline was kind of so far out there and um, he was still on crutches as of recently. Uh, now, you know, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> I'm being so careful with my wording. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to, if I had to guess, I think it's 50, 50, you know, why bring it back to play like the last month, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. The Thunder are playing really well. Why mess with that and bring him back? Why not let him heal an extra month? And if they're not playing so great and it's kind of skewing more towards higher chances, you know, for, for Wimbanyana, then why bring him back 
in that scenario as well, right? Like, so either scenario kind of doesn't make sense to to rush him back if he's if it makes more sense for him to heal. The Thunder are always going to err on the caution uh, on the side of caution and being healthy long term with these guys, especially right now. Um, so I'm going to say no. I think another um, kind of maybe blessing in disguise in this scenario is that it would open up a lot more minutes for Usman Jang later in the year. Um, he's returning uh, to the to the blue here, and he's going to get a nice stint with them. Uh, we'll see how long that is, um, but it looks like he's progressing nicely in his rehab from uh, from the uh, the wrist injury and. Uh, hopefully he's you know able to get back into form with the blue pretty quickly because I I think there are some minutes to be had here uh, in the in the main rotation. Uh, are you what do you what do you think about his chances of getting back in the rotation? Yeah, I think they're they're really really good. Uh, just going back to Poku real quick, mm-hmm. uh, then I'll answer on Jane. Just because I want to to say it's a real bummer too because Poku really. Uh, started playing really, really well. It was kind of in the middle of a mini breakout season after, you know, after kind of being, you know, a meme and a punchline, his first two seasons, um, he really was a positive player for most of the season. And, and a handful of games, he was the Thunder's second best player behind SGA before he went out. You know, he still had some up and downs, but uh, overall he was shooting like over 37% from three. He was blocking uh, like one and a half shots per game. He's playing really well. So, so I hope he comes back strong, whether it's late this season or next season. Um, as far as Yang, you know, when they assign him to the blue, uh, you know, and they say he's, you know, he's progressing well. I think that when he comes back, he absolutely has a role. The Thunder need some dudes who are over six <laughs> six. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like lately, the the Thunder have been their starting lineups. Their their tallest player has been their point guard, Josh Giddy, at six eight. Uh, Kenrich Williams, six seven, has been playing center. Uh, they're out. Chet, Jre, Poku, uh, Jang. So I think that Jang at six ten and with good length, he comes back. I, I think he's he's definitely going to see rotation minutes. I mean, they want to develop him anyways. They sent him down to the G League, and he was playing really well. And his last game before he got hurt was his best game of the season: fifteen points. Three or four from three, five rebounds in only 19 minutes. I'm really excited about seeing him out there. I think he could, I think you could see him take some of those Baisley minutes. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to see him back. And and we should, uh, last thing on Poku, we mentioned him last week after the Miami game, like how impactful he could have been in a game like that. Um, yeah. And you could point to several games where, his presence makes a huge difference. So we're obviously pumped to have him back. And like you're saying, like there's a need, like there's a need for guys that can that can rebound uh, for their size. And Jang would be a huge help in that. It's another way that Giddy has just been outstanding in, in, in rebounding and traffic and being very physical, but um, it's surprising to me that the rebounding numbers aren't worse because uh, watching the games it feels like it's a huge liability um the numbers don't say they're that bad there are certain rebounding categories where 
they rank towards the bottom, but like they kind of middle to like they're I, I believe they're top ten in contested rebounding, top ten in contested rebound percentage. Um they're they're getting by. And obviously if they were getting just roasted on the glass, they they wouldn't you you wouldn't have the the success they've had in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, there's there's plenty of opportunities to get out there and grab boards for a guy like Jang and he can be impactful in so many other ways. So I'm pumped about seeing him out there. Um, all right, what's your second question? I'm going to ask you the question that I've been getting a lot lately uh, from Thunder fans and from like when I've done some other podcasts and, and been on the radio. Should OKC trade for a vet to try to win at the deadline? Um, I'm, I'm just as curious to hear your answer. My answer is a, a firm no, as of now. Um, I just would rather see Jang, um, in these lineups than someone that they might bring in. And I certainly like, this is obviously with the caveat of like, what is the trade? Who is the player and what, how much is being given up? But I would not, um, I would not. I'm not interested in trading like any of the young core, even a player like Jang, um, any, any possible trade. I would rather just save any assets in a trade. Now I think I'd rather just save for the ability to trade up in this year's draft. Um, so I would, you know, if it's a, if it's a second and, you know, if it's Baisley in a second for someone, you know, I don't think you're going to get anybody, you know, a, a needle mover for, for that, but knock yourself out. I don't think it's, um, I just don't think it's the time, uh, in my opinion, to, to, to make what would feel like a, an, a trade out of urgency for a playoff run. I don't think this team is competing for a title this year. And I don't, I don't think there's any need to, to make a move. I'm, I know we've talked about a potential trade with Toronto. Maybe if they're sellers, then this is the only time that a player like Ananobi would be available or Siakam would be available that they, if they're going to get traded, they're going to get traded. And this is the only time to, to jump in. I, I still would, I, right now I still would hold off. I don't, I don't necessarily think those guys um, take you over the top, and I, I I just think we're too soon on all on all of that. What do you think? I'm completely with you. I, I've been I've been saying no. Let look. You alluded to it, but the ceiling is capped this season. On you know the the Thunder aren't winning the title this season. Like they, they've been a great success story. But you don't want to, you know, empty out some assets for a short-term fix. Uh, the Thunder are looking long-term. Let the young guys ride it out. The reason they've been winning is the young guys. Let's see how far the young guys can go. But, you know, they don't mm -hmm. have Chet Hunger in this season. He's not going to come back, um, even for the playoffs. He's out for the season. Um, as cool as that would be for him to come back. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. I mean, just, just to clarify that. Uh, and you know, Kimball Walker's money is still on the books. Derek Favors money is still on the books. Like they, they don't have the cap space 
Um, so it doesn't make sense to me. Like maybe something minor for, for a youngish big, like a Nas Reed, let's say that doesn't cost too much to get it. You know, it's not really costing you much of an asset at all. And he's a young player, maybe six round. Like, like if you were to get an Isaiah Joe ish type young player that's signed for a few years, uh, that you feel like can be a part of the long-term deal and doesn't cost you much to get or something like that. Yeah. Do a deal like that. But as far as like big impact, meaningful, you know, unload the, the assets. No, I, it, it's a no for me. Let the young guys do this. Next year, you have $30 million in cap space. You have all these assets. Uh, next year or the year after that, those make sense to me, uh, mm-hmm. but but not right now. My, my second question actually was similar uh, in that it deals with the trade deadline. Do you think that there is a price for a guy like Kenrich Williams or Mike Muscala that teams could hit and we could see those guys moved? Or do you think a guy like Kenrich specifically, um, they want to hold on to no matter what, given his impact and his leadership and his, his desire to stay? Or do you think it's still that he, because there, there would be a, a lot of contending teams namely Boston who could really use a guy like Kenrich Williams every every single contending team could put him to use uh, do you think there's any chance that at the deadline that Pressy would be willing to to move on no i think that Kenrich Williams uh is here long term i think that when a guy like Kenrich Williams says he wants to retire here and he says it over and over again and he means it and he signs a deal below market because he means it and he wants to stay here and he wants that means something to the thunder that means something to sam presti and the cost it would take to pry away a kenrich williams from the thunder like that no team is going to meet that like you like they're going to purposely like you know nobody's going to give up eight first round picks for kenrich williams (laughs) right like i mean you're not going to do it like I'm not saying that's the price, obviously. I'm just saying, like, he is worth more to the Thunder and that locker room and what he means to the team on the court, off the court, um, and the commitment he's made. Uh, I just don't see any scenario where they they trade him or or Mike Muscala for a lot of the same re- reasons as uh, as Kenrich. Even though he's not locked in as long-term, it's the same vibes with Mike Muscala. And, and even though, you know, he's not as young, and probably, you know, not as locked in as far as like, hey, this guy is going to be a part for sure of the next playoff edition of the Thunder team, the next era, just because of age and and role and things like that. But I, I think that they view Mike Muscala in a lot of the same ways as Kenrich. So I, I think those two are, are lifers. I tend to agree, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Phoenix is sitting in the reverse standings at ninth. If they if they offer the the 2023 first round pick like top two protected, you're saying you're saying there's no chance. They it's not even a conversation. I I I don't see the Thunder 
doing it. I, I really, I mean, like, I know that sounds ridiculous. Um, and that's an overpay by the way. They, I, I don't, right. I would, I would never expect Phoenix to do that, but just, just for sake of example, I think it means something to the thunder that Kenrich Williams has made that commitment. You know I what agree. I mean? Like, I agree. You know, so, uh, I, I think that, I think that means something to, to this organization. And I think the organization have made that commitment to Kenrich. Um, and th- this is just me, you know, this is, um, I-, I just think that's the way it is. So I, I just don't see, I think he's kind of off the table, you know, like he's not off the table. Like SGA is off the table, you know, but, uh, but I think he's off the table. The commitment means something. Yeah. I hear you. Um, all right. And he's going to look, and he's going to be a high impact player, but look, like, look what he means right now to this team when he's on the court. I mean, oh. think of. Him getting those same minutes with with the legitimate contending Thunder team. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why all these contending teams would want him. Well, the Thunder are going to want a player like that when they're contending. I one of my favorite things uh, when watching a Thunder game is when a team thinks that playing zone is a good idea because it ju- it means so much uh, impact for for Kenrich who can just go sit at the free throw line and and make so many things happen. I'm such a fan of his it's uh the possession last night like sga just detonates aaron aaron neesmith and then whips that left-handed pass to jalen williams who then immediately skips it to kenrich williams wide open in the corner now brandon how many times in the let's say the 2010s did a ball get swung to the corner for a wide open three that was that was not only missed but sometimes found the side of the backboard? How like that shot had nowhere else to go from Kenrich last night than all net. Like it, it it did not even come close to hitting the rim. That 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 was just a ton of fun, and it reminded me a lot of situations where that shot gets missed and missed badly. Yeah, it's uh it's fun to watch this team, man. The the style that they play with, they're so bought in defensively, like all the rotations and 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 the schemes, like everybody just they play such a smart brand of ball, they play such an unselfish brand of ball. Yeah. Uh, and then on offense they always make the the right pass take the smart shot, the extra pass. They whip the ball around 41 assists on 47 made baskets. That's nuts. Franchise I mean, record, 41 franchise assists. record and assists. I mean, and the percentage of, of assists to, to field goals, man, it's just, it's unheard of. I mean, and and this the, is the youngest, the youngest team. team yeah. yeah. The youngest team in the league set a set two franchise records uh, for points and assists in a two week span. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes no sense, man. It it really doesn't. It and it, the and I, I so much credit has to go to like we've seen SGA do amazing things over the last couple of years. It it has changed with these big guards that are such connector pieces in Giddy and Jalen Williams. Um, they are so useful when teams trap and now teams are starting to trap SGA in the middle of the floor and Giddy gets to play 
four on three. J-Dub gets to play four on three. Everybody is just so aware of each other, when to cut, uh, when to make that pass. Jalen and Josh are just such exceptional passers. They're so smart. And gosh, they're they're so fun. They, they get so many good looks off of Shea's brilliance. And then these these two connecting guards that are, I mean, you can just see the like why I mean, I I I was certain that Presty was either going to take when when he, they made the trade for Jang, they're still sitting at 12. I was certain they were going to take e- either uh AJ Griffin or uh I believe Duran. Duran. Um I was I thought it was for sure gonna be one of those two. Um and I thought it was a little high for for Jalen Williams, and then it was I couldn't have been more wrong. Like he's he is sensational. He is so good and just fits the fits the personality of the team so well. Like he's just so much fun. He's hilarious on on Instagram. Um very sarcastic, very dry. He's really fun. Uh great, but just a great player. And I think these these two guards in Giddy and, and Jalen are having such an impact and they just, they fit where basketball is headed and just kudos to Presti and, and the whole, the whole team. It's they, they, they killed it with those two guys and shout out to a team like Washington who Johnny Davis is averaging five and a half points a game in the G league right now. Um, like these there were teams that just said we'll we'll go a different route and thank you because the <laughs> Jalen is he is unbelievable. Yeah, his his scoring efficiency, his playmaking, his he's he's six six and he's playing a lot of power forward. He's got the seven two wingspan, the connecting, like you said, like the steals. Yeah, the blocks like he's he just Sam Vecini called him a Swiss Army knife, and that's exactly yeah. what he is. He he just impacts the game in every facet. And what's so funny is I know he's a good shooter. I watch way too much of his tape at Santa Clara, uh, and you look at the, he shot like nearly forty percent uh, from three at Santa Clara. Yeah, it was just one season, but he also shot you know eighty something percent uh, from free throw range. I believe in the shot. I do think the shot's going to come around. And if he gets the shot to start falling, man, it's like, where's the weakness? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he he's, he really is uh, impactful in, in every area, especially as a guy that just, you can count on to make the smart, right play. I keep going back to it. This team just plays the right way that the, the way they share the ball and, and they're just, such a smart team for being so young, making all the right passes. And that's what's exciting when you think about how far they've come in such a short span and knowing that they're all 20, 21, 22 years old uh, because they're not even near their primes yet. They're going to get better. Jalen Williams is going to get better. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's Jalen Williams was just a slam dunk pick. And, I mean, he played at Santa Clara. This guy's had the ball in his hands, like, assuming, like, his whole life. He's been the best dude, as many of these guys are. Like, they're the best guy 
they've ever played with until they get to the to the league with very few exceptions and for a guy like that to so seamlessly fall into place with a player like SGA and Josh Giddy like he's never been the third the third you know creator on a team and he looks like he's been doing this for years it's, yeah what's wild like like making all the right cuts like it's so impressive yeah, yeah. like his cutting ability and knowing exactly when to make his cuts and the open spaces and reading the play as it's developing. And, you know, it's for, for a guy, like you said, that's always been on ball and been the primary guy to be such a smart outlet and secondary guy is, I mean, it's the way he works, the baselines, it's crazy. Like he's, he's had the ball his whole life. It's nuts. He's just so smart. He, he really understands the game. So just a a quick shout out to everyone who ever coached him. Like what a, what a genius of a basketball player to be as, as mature of a player at this age, at this stage is, um, I mean, his, his, it was seamless. And I think we, we were all like perked up about him at summer league, even with Chet doing, uh, doing wild things, we were like, wow, this Jalen Williams guy, like seems to, you know, he, he's got it together. He seems like he belongs. It was just from the jump. He was so good and so impactful, such a positive player on both ends. Yeah. I remember making the joke that, uh, Chet Hungren's biggest competition for rookie of the year is going to be his own teammate. <laughs> I mean, like little did I know, uh, that was supposed to just be a joke, and, and here we are <laughs> saying that he's going to finish as the top three rookie this year. Uh, yeah, and we talked about it on Twitter yesterday, like Presty hitting, getting two five, two top five guys from their class without using a top five pick to get them. Um, yeah, there's just that's where you that's where the accelerator gets pressed in a rebuild when you when you hit on these guys. It's it's imperative that that when you have a a top 10 pick in 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 the way that they had with giddy they they capitalize it and it it also speaks to the the environment of development that they have that it seemed like if you're an agent you what a better place for your guy to land than a place that is just grooming these studs at any position they have they have shown the the ability to to develop uh, all five positions a, a great staff um so yeah i'm 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 pumped and it leads us to our last question and this is kind of the 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 million dollar question right now is do they do they make the play in does this team does this team make a make the play in and or the playoffs it's tough there there's okay so there's a couple facts i'm gonna give you an answer eventually i promise okay i'm gonna go about (laughs) it we're gonna take the scenic route though okay (laughs) (laughs) we always do yeah we always do so just facts first the thunder are basically in a four-way tie right now for seven through ten and that's the play-in spot Okay, so they're tied with the Timberwolves, who went all in to compete this year. They're tied with the Clippers, who are, of course, all in, but you never know you know, how healthy they're going to be. The Warriors, look, they're, they got Curry back. They're going to get better. They're going to climb up the standings, right? They're ahead of the Blazers, um, but the Blazers have Dame and Simons and Nurkic and Jeremy Grant. They want to win right now. They're ahead of the Suns. 
they'll eventually get Booker back. Uh, they should start winning again at some point. Uh, and they're ahead of the Lakers, who will get Anthony Davis back and still have LeBron and, and Russell Westbrook. Five through 13, it is like anybody's guess mm-hmm. uh, what's going to happen. I mean, that's how close they are. The Mavs are only 1.5 games ahead of the Thunder right now and the five seed. They've lost three in a row. Like you said, the Thunder have a better point differential than them by a full point. Um, so I think that some of the teams that they're kind of, you know, in the same area with or slightly above are going to get better. But here's also the thing. On paper, the Thunder have the easiest remaining schedule in the league because they played one of the harder first half schedules. Now, some of that's a little bit wonky because, you know, they consider like the Suns or the Blazers or the Warriors kind of an easy game right now because they're below expectations. And when the Thunder play those teams, you know, they're going to have guys back. So they'll be tougher, right? Um, but then there's the team, like the Jazz are ahead of them. I can see the Jazz falling down. Uh, the Clippers, we don't know how healthy they're going to be. And they have the hardest remaining schedule in the West. Okay. All that said, some of these teams, I don't know how healthy they're going to get. Some of them have really tough schedules. Uh, some of them, whether it's lack of chemistry or they're just not as good as we thought they were going to be. And the Thunder have played really, really well. The Thunder turned a corner. Uh, we've covered it already in this podcast. Uh, but since January, the best net rating in the league. And they just keep improving. I think that they will be a play-in team is my answer. I, you know, I'm not going to say whether they're going to be seven, whether they're going to be ten. I think it'll be, you know, you know, let's say they they finish nine or ten. I'll say that, and they will be in the play-in. And then once you're in the play-in, one or two games, small sample size, anything can happen. They could absolutely make the playoffs. They could get knocked out. Either way, but my gut says that they will end up in the play-in. I'm with you for a lot of the same reasons. I do think that they hang in there with the only caveat being that as long as Oklahoma city stays healthy in those top, those top, I would say top four, those guards, uh, Dort, Giddy, Shea, and, and Jalen. I think if, as long as those four stay healthy, I do think this team uh, stays inside the top 10 in the West. Um, the schedule is going to obviously play a, a big part of it. They get the Rockets quite a few times. Um, they still get the Spurs. Um, they still get uh, the, I believe it's the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've got a lot of winnable games coming up. So yeah, I, I do think with the schedule and with health, this team, this team makes the play in. Yep, exactly. That's what it comes to. Like, if you start counting up wins, like, okay, they've got 22 right now. Uh, the Rockets three times, the Pistons once, the Hornets once, the Spurs once. Well, right there, that's already seven more wins. Let's just, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win them all, but chances are, uh, you know, that's 29 wins all of a sudden. And, you know, when you, once you start counting up the wins and how many wins it takes to make the play-in, they're going to win some games that they're not supposed to. We've already seen that. It keeps happening. And a lot of these 50-50 games, 
yeah. they'll win just because that's what this Thunder team is doing. Uh, so even though I think that the uh, easiest remaining schedule strength is a little bit wonky because some of the games that are counted as easy games aren't going to be easy games, I still think that given how well they've been playing and given the schedule, given that they turned a corner, um, and given that they want it and they're hungry and the solid ball they're playing, I, yeah, I, I think that they make the play-in, which is absolutely wild. Would not I did not at all have that on my uh, Thunder Bingo card to begin the season. Not at all. It's uh, it's crazy, crazy sitting here in January still talking about it. And I've gotten the question a lot over the last week or so, like, when is when are they going to shut down SGA? And I just I think that's completely off the table with him being in the running for for all NBA. I think I think they're going to let these guys go as long as they're healthy. Um, I, I think it's totally off the table that that they just choose to sit guys in the way that they have in the last uh, over the last couple of years. And and obviously with the caveat there there were some legitimate injuries in there, but I don't think we're going to see them handle the last six weeks like I thought they might handle the last six weeks maybe a you know a month ago. It's so funny because I think that, you know, when Sam Presti gives his, you know, end of season or beginning of season pressers, uh, everybody tries to kind of like read between the lines and get out there like, you know, um code packs and try to figure out you know what he's saying, like what is he actually saying? Like mm-hmm. he's been really transparent and yeah. straightforward and honest in, in all these pressers. Like he is not at all like, you know, there hasn't been any hidden code. He's telling you what's up. And, and if you go back and listen to the last few seasons, what he said is, you know, if the Thunder are playing games of consequence, they're going to play. And like, you know, games of consequence to so that means if, you know, they're in shot of the playoffs, if they're in the yeah. playoff race, if this team has a chance at the playoffs and they've earned it, he's, all about it. He's going to let the young guys earn that playoff spot. But once they're not playing games of consequence, according to to his own words, then they'll shift to development. And so I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, the thing is, though, I think that they're going to be playing games of consequence for the rest of the season. That's that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. You know, things could change, like he said, with health and who knows what. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think that the 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 team will let them play it out. And I think that they'll, they'll be playing games of consequence over the next uh, 35, 37 games. And we've, we've seen Oklahoma city try and, and, and we, you know, we've seen them try and tank some games at the end of the season that they weren't able to, like, we're going to be playing some teams that, that are aggressively trying to get to the bottom. And, if they're still attempting to win games, they're going to be some really easy wins uh, late in the year uh, for a team that might be, you know, might be jockeying for, for positioning in, in the play in or the playoffs. It's a, it's going to be very interesting being on the other side of the coin, especially in a year with a prospect like Victor. Um, He kind of changes the math for a lot of teams. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of teams like, like a Toronto um, or Portland, like you're going to see a lot of teams make their decisions and kind of show their cards earlier than ever uh, because of the, the draft coming up and the players in it. So that's, that's another factor that is going to 
really affect standings um, because there are going to be some easy, easy wins for teams still trying to uh, to get them. Well, for example, the Thunder play the Utah Jazz three times after the All-Star break. The Thunder's first game after the All-Star break is actually versus the Jazz, which the All-Star game is in Utah, so mm-hmm. Shea's just going to stay there. Uh, <laughs> in U- the, the game's in Gideon, J-Dev, too. The Thunder are going to have three reps at the All-Star game, by the way, uh, four if we can somehow start a grassroots campaign to get Isaiah Joe in the three-point contest. Why Why not? Why? I, I assumed that he was going to be one of those three that were there because I, I think – He's a great candidate for the three-point shootout. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. And he said last night that he would accept the invitation if they invited him. But, yeah, SGA is a lock to be an all-star. J-Dubs and uh, Giddy are both locks for the Rising Stars game. So they'll have three guys there. But they play the Jazz three times after the all-star break. Well, if the Jazz decide, you know, to to start upping their odds for Wimbanyana. You know, it'll be hard to, you know, that's that's three wins more than likely if the, if the Jazz want to go that way. Uh, the Lakers obviously can't tank because they don't have their first round pick. Um, if for some reason, you know, the Pacers decide to go that way, the Thunder had them uh, in the last month of the season. Oh, they played the Jazz four times, actually. Yeah, I was about to say, we haven't, we haven't played haven't, them yet. Haven't played them at all. Like Charlotte, uh, Detroit, like there's, there's these things, Toronto, if they decide to go that way, if they blow it up, the Thunder played them after the All-Star break. So uh, there's, like you said, there there could be some wins in there that the t- that other teams just want to give the Thunder to. So mm-hmm. so we'll see. But, but you know, that goes both ways. I, I haven't looked at all the team schedules, so I don't know, you know, the other teams that are in the, the play-in area – how many times they play, you know, the jazz or the, the Raptors and it seems like that after. So. All right. Excellent. Uh, that wraps us up. Oklahoma city is back at it tomorrow night, uh, out on the West coast. They play the Kings. That should be a really fun game. Uh, then they play the nuggets in Denver. Uh, and then they've got the Hawks, Cavs and warriors. Uh, that's the next five. We'll definitely be talking to you, uh, somewhere in that stretch of games. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how long, uh, you know, we were in a very different spot. The last time we talked, that was just nine days ago. So we'll see where we're at, uh, in about a week or so. So Brandon, as always, thanks so much. Absolutely. Ryan, have a good night, buddy. All right. Thunder fans. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. This is the daily thunder podcast. Hey, Daily Thunder fans, we just wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can support this show and other Daily Thunder content. The first thing you can do is subscribe to our Patreon page, where for $5 a month, you get access to our morning roundups of Thunder news, notes, and commentary. Another way to support our site is by visiting one of our partners, ShopGood. Daily Thunder has numerous custom-made designs listed on ShopGood's website all original, hand-printed, and perfect for any Thunder fan looking to add a hat or shirt to their wardrobe. Most items come in a variety of color schemes, including our Thunderbird and Thundershield tees, which pay homage to Oklahoma's Native American culture and state flag. Your support is vital to our success. 
allowing us to do things like pay contributors and set up live events like in-person watch parties. It also helps keep dailythunder.com free of paywalls and intrusive advertisements. Any and all contributions made are greatly appreciated by the entire Daily Thunder family.